Hello and welcome to Intrepid Times, your home for narrative travel writing with heart. I'm Nathan Thomas, and alongside my co-host Jennifer Roberts, we take you behind the scenes of some of our most popular travel stories, get you to meet travel writers, and help you discover how you can share your own travel stories with the world. Hello and welcome back to Intrepid Times. This is Nathan Thomas. Uh, You probably haven't heard my voice for a while because Jennifer has been doing a fabulous job solo hosting the last few episodes, including our recent or her recent interview with the the wonderful Tim Hannigan. So I'm intruding, but perhaps only temporarily. We have many more exciting interviews with uh, esteemed travel writers and writers who travel coming up, um, where we focus not only on their stories and experiences, but also how they shape those stories into compelling narratives so we can look over their shoulder and aspiring travel writers out there can learn the technique. But today we're stepping back or up a level and we're looking a little bit more at travel itself, not necessarily specific journeys, but about the experience and the power of the experience. This conversation has been not, if not inspired, perhaps rather provoked by an article that I don't think we'll dwell on because it's a few months old and whilst it caused a bit of a stir when it was published um it seemed to have very quickly faded out of the discourse which was good to see but it did raise some questions that i think are worth answering and provoke or at least elicit focus on questions about the point of travel and whether it can not whether it necessarily does but whether it can change us now this article you can look it up on the new yorker website it's well-written, as everything on The New Yorker is. The author is Agnes Callard, and it was published on June the 24th, so uh, only around six weeks ago, in fact. Now, the author argues that, uh, to quote The New Yorker, it turns us into the worst version of ourselves while convincing us that we're at our best, it, of course, being travel. And the core argument comes down to, um, in many ways, that if you travel, you already know when you set out, who you're going to be when you return. Uh, The author uses the analogy of, or the metaphor of a boomerang to say that travel drops you right back where you started with the same beliefs, prejudices, limitations, worldview, et cetera. Now, I don't think travel necessarily changes you. Anyone who's uh, seen a group of British lads on stag do uh, in Budapest, or a bunch of Australian tourists talking about how they did France in six hours or, you know, various other groups, which I have, of course, uh, during my own life been a part of, but hope to not be limited by. Um, You will know that there is no default magic fairy dust of travel. You don't just automatically become a better, smarter, wiser, taller person simply by going somewhere different. But I think it can change you if you allow it to. And I assume that my wonderful co-host, senior editor, travel writer, and prolific travel reader, Jennifer Roberts, feels the same way? Yeah, hi everyone. Um, yeah, so I, I do agree. You know, I think that, you know, I've heard about, you know, for example, with hypnosis, like it works if you want it to work. Um, I think the same is kind of the case with travel. I think that if you set out wanting to or hoping to or being open to changing or seeing the world in a slightly different way or 
learning about another culture or another group of people, you know, whatever it may be, I think there's a pretty good chance that something in you will change. But I think that it has to be at least a little bit intentional. And I think that the author of the the article you were referencing, I think she makes some valid points. Um, You know, one of them being that a lot of people go to specific places and tend to kind of stick to a stereotypical kind of tourist routine. You know, they go to a place and they kind of look up on TripAdvisor, you know, what am I supposed to do in this place? Um, You know, just that question itself, what am I supposed to do? Um, is a little bit problematic, right, if you want to change. Um, If you're doing the things that you're kind of expected to do in a certain place, um, I don't think that opens as many doors to, you know, exploration, you know, both, you know, outside and inside uh, the traveler, as it would if you were kind of letting yourself get a little bit lost or explore the lesser known places or just going to you know, a place that actually intrigues you for whatever reason. You know, maybe that is, you know, the author uses the example of all the tourists, travelers um, that go to the Louvre to see the Mona Lisa. You know, she quotes the figure that most people spend, you know, only 15 seconds looking at the Mona Lisa once they actually get there. Um, so, you know, why why do people go to see it? Is, is it because they're actually intrigued by painting and they're really fascinated by the techniques Or is it because that's what you have to do when you travel? So I think that there is a distinction. I think that, you know, that's why we're asking here, can travel change you and not does travel change you? Because the answer to the second question, does travel change you? It doesn't have to be yes. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, I think that can travel change you? The answer is absolutely 100% yes. But it comes with some very specific, you know, kind of prerequisites, you know, the main one simply being that you are open to the experience of change. Does that make any sense? It does, yeah. And I would also say not only is it the can and does change, but also could even go a level further and say, can travel change you for the better? Because Mm. anyone who's, as I have, hung around the the stranger corners of Asia with the various jaded expats who've hang out uh, in in those places and who've uh, far from having their minds opened by all of their experiences tend to be quite bitter and prejudiced people. I'm thinking specifically of some folks I hung out with um, on a very rare occasion in China when I was living there about 10 years ago. But I'm sure many people who've encountered such folks kind of know the type that I mean. I mean, travel is a force that can expand your mind and challenge you to be otherwise, but it can also beat you down uh, in a certain way. So I think part of that is beginning, as you say, with openness and with intention and also just checking in, like having a sense of in what direction you want to travel metaphorically as well as traveling literally and what direction do you want to move as a person and also being willing to to interrogate that so in terms of the positive ways travel can change you that openness to experience um i suppose i'm thinking like some of my earliest solo travels like well well over a decade ago the simple things like where i grew up in a 
you know, perfectly nice suburb of Auckland. Pretty much everyone, like people come from different countries, but pretty much everyone in that milieu seem to have, or at least to advertise having the same worldview. And then when you look at someone, you meet someone from a different country who sees the world literally from a different perspective and has different opinions and grew up reading different books and watching different newspapers and speaking a different language, suddenly you realize that the world is a, is a bigger, richer and more mysterious place. And then once you do that enough, you stop thinking that your way of seeing the world, your stories that you grew up believing and rights and wrongs that you grew up believing, you start thinking that those are the default ones. You realize that you are just as weird and strange to everyone else as they at first seemed to you. And then that tipping point, I think, is quite exciting. Yeah, you know, the sense of, you know, the other, I think, is kind of, you know, what you're getting at a little bit here is we tend to, you know, other the people around us. If we if we visit any foreign country, even just, you know, another city in our own country, this happens. You know, we tend to think of the other person as, you know, the strange one. Um, and I think that that process of realizing that other people also find us strange in a lot of interesting ways. I think that whole process is critical to personal growth, realizing that you yourself are exhibiting very specific things related to where you grew up, who your parents were, who your friends were, you know, what school you went to, you know, how much your experience and your personality and your your understanding of who you are in the world is shaped by very specific forces. Um, you know, travel is one way to, you know, expand those forces or change those forces. You're literally seeking out other things that are going to put pressure on your personality. And I think that that is key. And, you know, I was reflecting on this a little bit after reading this article, you know, several weeks ago when you shared it. You know, Intrepid Times itself, you know, we look for narrative travel stories. That's what we publish. And, you know, the arc of a story kind of needs change, right, in order for it to be successful um, or if in order for it to be particularly interesting. You know, if the author sets out at the beginning of the story and ends up in the exact same place at the end of the story, if not, you know, physically they may end up in the exact same place. And that can actually be a really interesting technique. But their inner journey, if it just kind of brings them full circle and nothing has really changed, is that actually a successful story? And I'd actually like to get your thoughts on that because we've talked a lot about, you know, story arc and where the point in the story, where, where does it happen that there's a shift? Where is there a change? And, you know, the fact that there can be a question of is travel actually changing you in any way? You know, it kind of puts the whole point of a travel story into question, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And so that's, that's such a great point because clearly many people find travel writing compelling to read as well as to write. And stories are, so oversimplification, but stories are only compelling in so much as their main character is forced to change or goes through conditions and circumstances that empower them or challenge them to make the decision to change, to make a new, that change is often evident. I mean, that's the classic hero's journey. The change in the character is evident through a decision that they would not have made uh, at the start of the at the start of the journey so we see a good travel story is always one well again there are exceptions but a good travel story in which the the main character is the person writing it that first person travel story it's a good story because the person learns something or is challenged in a certain way and goes through hardship and comes to 
to learn or to to realize something about themselves as well as about the world that they didn't know in the first place and i think that brings us to no movie would be compelling if the main character didn't have to go through hardship and struggle in order to achieve their goal and through the process of that uh making a change we we have spoken about the storytelling and provided examples there but you can think of any movie that you've seen recently and there's always the bit if it's a classic hero's journey movie there's the bit at the end where i don't know uh i don't know why this one is the first one that comes to mind but the hercules in the disney movie chooses not to ascend to be among the gods because his character has changed throughout the triumphs and trials that he has gone through and that is just such a clear evidence that you are not the same person the character is not the same person at the end of the beginning because of the journey because of the travel because of the experience so modern tourism which i'm a big fan of in some circumstances like but it is is quite different than what we talk about typically here is designed to scientifically take the hardship out of travel so people construct it for themselves sometimes you know someone's quite artificially like someone who has a perfectly nice home and a perfectly good job might decide to spend a month in a tent or i have a good friend who's currently in the process of walking across america you know and i'm no doubt there's extraordinarily hardship there it's it's arbitrary in a way because we invite it to ourselves but it's very real when you're there in the moment and like surely you're going to having gone through that and faced it and learned something about yourself you're going to grow in the process and i don't know about you jim but throughout my first travels it's less so now maybe that's a sign to challenge myself more but throughout my first solo trips i was scared witless half the time even if it was just a train trip in europe that i wouldn't even think about now um i was constantly worried about missing a stop or not being able to communicate or getting lost here the world seemed like a big and and scary place and that fear and difficulty was quite intimately connected to a lot of those early travels yeah, you know, I'm thinking about what you just said about how a lot of, you know, quote unquote, tourism is designed to kind of take the hardship out. You know, I'm thinking about my my first kind of big trip abroad, which was a high school trip to Italy. Uh, my sister and I went with a group of other classmates. There were probably about 20 of us that went along with a bunch of, you know, parents and teachers. So it was it was very well designed. You know, we went to the big cities, you know, Venice, Rome, you know, Milan, all the all the big ones. Um, and it was, you know, specifically designed to make sure we all had a great time and didn't have to feel worried or scared about where we were going to eat or who we were going to meet. And we were always walking in groups, yada, yada, yada. But, you know, there was a moment where we were in this like leather factory, you know, and um, two of the shopkeepers got into a fist fight, you know, in front of this big group of high school students. Um, so, you know, as much as the experience was designed to keep these, you know, so on, you know, quote unquote, negative experiences kind of out of sight, you know, one still made its way in there. And, you know, it just, it subtly shifted the way that I thought about, you know, the people in foreign countries, you know, for me, I was only 16 at the time, uh, hadn't really traveled outside the U.S. much. And, you know, seeing a fist fight between, you know, two very angry Italians in the middle of this, you know, leather making factory, you know, there was just something about, you know, I had seen fistfights in my own high school. There was just some kind of connection that that made, you know, as maybe negative as the experience may have been. You know, I can laugh about it now, but 
there was something there about kind of breaking the barrier that had kind of been set up for us. And I think that was part of what provoked more of an interest in travel later was, you know, what is behind these experiences we try to construct for ourselves? You know, what are we missing? And I think that that was really important. You know, as, as weird and, and crazy as that moment was, and as much as the teachers were sad that that happened, you know, I was grateful for it because there was something about, you know, this is real. You know, there are humans of all types, there are experiences of all types happening everywhere. You just kind of have to be open to seeing them and not take those things as, you know, indication that this is a horrible culture or this is a horrible place. Um, these things just happen. You know, what does that mean inside, you know, how we think about humanity and think about different places around the world? And yeah, you know, when I went off on my own, you know, the first solo trip I did was to Thailand and I decided to do kind of a long-term trip. Yeah, it was terrifying, but I was also excited about the ways that it was going to change. I mean, you know, the purpose of that trip was to change, uh, essentially. And that definitely doesn't have to be the case, of course, if you decide to travel by yourself or with a partner or with a group. Um, you don't have to travel to want to change. I think that the simple idea that you would be open to it if it happened, I think that's important understanding that there are going to be moments where you feel unsure, you feel scared, or you really just want to go home. And, you know, what do you do when those moments come up? Um, and I think that 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 is key in the ability to let travel kind of do its thing and shift you even in subtle ways. And, you know, I want to get your thoughts on this too. You know, in that article, the author mentions that, you know, as individuals who are traveling and who may be feeling these kind of subtle changes, you know, we actually can't judge if we've changed. You know, she says that only an outsider can tell you if you've actually changed. That part specifically, you know, I had a really hard time with because, you know, some of the ways that we change when we travel, I mean, it's the way that we think about the world. And, you know, people can't read our thoughts, right? And those, the way that it changes, the way that we act in the world may be so subtle that it doesn't manifest until, you know, some years later when we're continuing to reflect and continuing to travel and experience more and more subtle changes. Um, I wanted to get your thoughts on what you felt about that part specifically. Yeah, it's very shallow, isn't it? The idea that someone's only changed insofar as it's superficially observable to others, insofar as it's manifest in behavior. I mean, I, I think it's just, it, it's so friv frivolous as to be, you know, easily dismissed. And, and I think that's a lot of the issues with that particular article that just lacked a, lacked a certain depth, it lacked a capacity to feel it was very much from from the brain and not from the heart. And, and a lot of travel is tapping into that capacity to feel. I mean, a lot of it is also, there are so many flaws with, with travel that I, I think we should be acknowledged. And I think as travelers, we try to overcome them and become better travelers as we become better people and become better people, hopefully, as we become better travelers i mean that's i think consciously constantly knowing how far you have to go um in order to be present in order to get the context in order to not look at something with the same eyes that you would have a year ago like in order to just not gawk at the mona lisa for 15 seconds but you you have to be aware of your of your limitations and and keep pushing forward i mean it's funny in that this might be something i tackle in the uh, recovering backpacker column, but I've I've read um, there's been a bit of discussion in the Twitter space 
recently among some other sort of backpacker travel writers about the whole, and this was a constant conversation when I was on the youth hostel circuit a hundred years ago, was that, you know, when you come home after traveling for a year or so, I mean, it's typical among the New Zealand, Australia, who do their OE, you know, their overseas excursion a year, backpacking around very much the kind of trip where you would look at the Mona Lisa for 15 seconds and say not simply that you've seen it but or not simply that you've seen art but simply that you have seen France you know that (laughs) kind of thing um and then these folks go home and they tell their their mom and their dad and their sister and their university friends about their trips and no one gives a fuck like and they're like oh well other people just don't understand because I'm a traveler and they don't get it and that's you know that's kind of egotistical and silly as well. It, it's frivolous in another way. It's almost like you want to be seen to have changed because to you, you want to be seen as someone who has seen the Mona Lisa or climbed this mountain or whatever. You want to be perceived externally. You care about what other people think. You care about the perception of change, but you've not actually allowed yourself to be challenged or to reflect or to actually go through what it takes to actually change i think it has to come with a nice dose of humility in order for it to be more or less effective um you know i think that's kind of what you're getting at where you know if we're trying to flaunt all the ways that we've changed we actually haven't changed all that much maybe for some people uh, maybe that is you know a huge shift <laughs> in some way um and maybe you know that's what we were getting to earlier talking about can travel change you for the better I mean, do you think that there are specific things people can do or questions they can ask themselves in order to kind of ensure that the change is more positive than negative? Yeah, writing is a great way to do that, to take stock, to take inventory. I mean, I've, I find it such an interesting experience writing this uh, recovering backpacker column where I reflect on how what travel meant to me and how I experienced it 10, 15 years ago versus what it means to me and how I experience it now. And the gap between those two, I mean, part of it is simply, part of this would have happened anyway, simply through the the passing of time and the the gaining of kilograms uh, in my space. But I think that the intervening travel experience has, um, has helped and has certainly shaped the trajectory of that. I mean, having things to aspire to, I mean, you and I are constantly are reading travel literature and being in the presence, if not physical, at least, through their stories of travelers who are much smarter and braver and just better people in, in a way, or at least are able to create the illusion of that through their writing. You know, you never really know until you know them, but that is inspiring. So, so having access to something greater, something to connect to, something to be challenged by is huge too. And then I, I guess this is a lesson I need to remind myself is understanding that the, the fear and the discomfort can be absolute bedrocks of the travel experience like going somewhere that is to use the cliched expression out of the comfort zone and why is it out of the comfort zone what do you need to learn in order to become comfortable there having learned that is it now time to make use of that knowledge and enjoy it or is it now time to go to go somewhere else i mean humility is such a big part of it i mean for me the easiest part of human pathway to humility is like so um I've learned badly a couple of foreign languages, not enough to speak with any degree of fluency, but enough to order you know, food at the restaurant. And my wife, who's actually a linguist and speaks fluently a number of different languages, normally lets me do the talking when we're in one of these third party countries, not because I'm better at the language, I'm 
can speak 10% of the amount that she can, but just because I don't care about getting in, being embarrassed um, by saying it badly. And that's not something that I felt. I didn't grow like wake up one morning feeling that it took a lot of exposure to humiliation and a lot of blank and confused stares before you just stop caring. And that maps across to different places as well. Yeah, it makes me think of, you know, a part in uh, your book, uh, Travel Your Way, where you're talking about how people can kind of prepare for travel. And, you know, one of the things they can do is go into a McDonald's or, you know, a similar restaurant and try to order a glass of wine, you know, something that you know you're not going to be able to get, kind of creating a sense of humiliation and embarrassment in order to kind of get comfortable with that. Um, that stuck with me because there are so many moments when you travel where that happens, where you feel like, oh, I definitely botched that. And, you know, becoming comfortable with that, I think, is really important. Yeah, I, I want to ask you more more on that. But just, yeah, just to tell people that technique, it's not something I made up. I read it somewhere many, like 10, 15 years ago or more. But go to a popular restaurant, like a fast food chain, where they have a rigid things that they can do. And stand in the queue knowing that you're going to order something ridiculous, knowing that you're going to order a glass of wine at McDonald's or um, Big Mac at Burger King is, the, I think, the example that I read somewhere. And when you stand in the queue or you're going to order a pizza at Burger King or whatever, when you stand in the queue knowing that you're going to order something ridiculous, you feel anxiety like you're about to give a speech in front of a thousand people. You feel all of like sweaty palms and you feel all of that adrenaline. And it's so you'd learn so much about yourself in that moment because you're like, wow, we as humans, like we really do are caged in our own minds in a lot of ways. And if you learn to break out of that to some degree, that helps you travel in a much more exposed and an open way. I mean, do you, do you find, Jennifer, when when traveling that that obviously you travel to see, but you're also being seen and you can be quite ridiculous as a traveler because you don't know anything you maybe don't speak the language or if you do you speak it badly you get lost in places where school children can easily find their way around like you're there's a cliche that or not even a cliche a quote that like to be a traveler makes you a child again and children learn and change right yeah you know i was i was very fortunate you know in that i traveled to thailand for kind of my first big solo trip uh and the thai people are very gracious uh they really don't want to embarrass you um, they want to make you feel comfortable because there's the whole, you know, this this sense of losing face. They don't want you to lose face. They want you to feel comfortable and kind of feel like you know what you're doing. Um, with that said, that did not protect me from feeling embarrassment and feeling like I was getting a lot of things wrong. Um, I remember specifically one time I had a meeting with, you know, my school's principal. Um, and in Thailand, you know, there's three levels of kind of greeting. Uh, you know, you put your hands to your forehead, you put your hands to kind of near your near your mouth, and you put your hands next to your chest. And, you know, depending on who you're meeting and their kind of level in the hierarchy of society, uh, it's a specific greeting. Um, and I did the wrong one for the principal. And, you know, my boss, my direct, you know, manager at the school, she did not say a single word until we left the office. Uh, and then she said, uh, yeah, you need to make sure you do that correctly next time. So that definitely didn't protect me from, you know, I still definitely understood that I made a mistake and I felt embarrassed by it. Um, but I was lucky enough that she's helped soften the blow a little bit. She could have called me out immediately in front of the principal and it would have been, you know, much more humiliating uh, than it was. So I think that yeah, it's important to accept those moments. You know, I learned from it. I never did the wrong greeting again. 
And I think that that is kind of a bonus of maybe longer term travel where you have the chance to kind of correct course more often. From then on, that happened within, you know, the first month of my being at the school I was teaching at. And, you know, from then on, I just, I never made the same mistake. I was able to, in some small way, you know, show some respect for the culture that I was in by demonstrating a level of understanding. And that took me being there for more than, you know, a week or two. So I guess that's that's an interesting question, too, is, you know, is there a difference between long-term travel and short-term travel in the ways that we can open ourselves to change and the change we experience? Exactly what I was just about to ask you, because I think, um, having promised at the beginning not to dwell on the article, I suppose we have rather dwelt upon it, but it's been a good foil for the conversation because the 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 author takes time to talk about the, I think her phrase approximately was the many great cities I have lived and worked and uh, as if that was a good thing or it is, but you know, as if that didn't count in the context of travel. And and so perhaps the, a rebuttal could be, um, I'm sure the author has far better things to do than listen to this podcast, but a, a rebuttal from her or someone who agrees with her could be that, well, you know, I was referring only to hopping a vacation for a week or for a week or two. So what do you think, Jen? Do you, do you find that shorter travel, even if it's just a few days, can also be a transformative experience? Yeah, I think it can. Um, I think it's harder, definitely. A lot of it really depends on the ability to interact with the culture and the people. I think that a lot of what happens with shorter trips is, you know, recently I was I was on Turks and Caicos with my mom and my sister, and it would have been really, really easy to just kind of like stay at our hotel, go to the beach, kind of enjoy the sun, just kind of do our thing. And, you know, I'm not, I don't think a lot of change is going to happen there. It's really a vacation for relaxation. I mean, that was the goal. But, you know, we also had moments where my sister and I went to a little local restaurant and, you know, talked to to the waitress and had a really nice conversation. And there was something about that interaction that, you know, I felt a subtle shift in just the way that I experienced the island. You know, we went on a kayaking tour, which, you know, was a kind of touristy thing. But, you know, I took the time to have a conversation with with the guide and he was telling me about the hurricane and you know how that really you know made life really hard for them and his daughter had just been born and they were trying to fish and they couldn't fish because the waters were so turbulent and you know all these things that you know I didn't even remember that hurricane but it had significantly shifted the way that these people lived for years and you know would I have known that if I hadn't taken the time to have a conversation with our guide no you know, I did come away from that trip with a shift in the way I understood that culture and the way I understood, you know, kind of living on an island, which is a really interesting experience in itself. Um, so, I, yeah, I think that shorter trips can be trickier when it comes to change. I think that you have to kind of really intentionally seek out interactions with people who understand kind of what's going on in that place. And again, like if you want a two or three day trip to a beach where you're just laying on the sand enjoying life like that is absolutely valid like you do not have to have the goal to change i think that that is also really important you know travel does not have to change you you don't have to want it to every single time but yeah i think that it definitely can in those shorter trips i think that there is the possibility of change still 
Yeah, agreed completely. And and I think like just think about little trips I've done around around Europe or or when I was living in in Asia, you do short hops to to neighboring countries, and I always feel like that journey to the airport and that journey home from the airport, the home looks a little bit different um, mm. every time, and you you take things with you that are always there. So I, I think I guess maybe it's just me, but I think it travel can almost no, can't not change you. Maybe that's training, but that's that's just how it becomes. I think it's interesting the way you're talking about the way you experience, you know, home afterward. You know, sometimes I feel like there's a maybe temporary shift, but also maybe it isn't so temporary. You know, maybe it's just that you settle into that shift. But I remember my partner and I took a year last year to just kind of travel around and enjoy some some different countries. And when we came home, we've kind of felt like everything was smaller, <laughs> which was really interesting. Like for some reason, like entered our house and we're like, oh, the couch looks really small. Like there was something just really weird in the way that we were experiencing the space. Also, we looked outside and everything kind of felt more expansive. There was just like this perception of the size of things and the way things were interacting. Um, and that's actually kind of like a weird mental shift that I wasn't really prepared for. But I think it it demonstrates this idea that when you come back from travel, like it may be just a day where things just kind of feel a little bit weird. But I also think that there's an important indication that things have changed. Something in the way you're perceiving the world has changed, even if it's just, you know, you're a little part of the world, you know, your home. Something about the way you're interacting with that has shifted. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you experience it when you kind of walk back into your house after traveling. I don't know if that makes any sense to you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it, it feels almost eerie. Like it feels like you're in a dream or or something like this is not quite. Yeah. And then there's there's some shift there, you know, and then the texture of your mind, like you'll revisit where you've been to in your dreams or you, you'll you'll think about that person you met in the conversation and you'll understand a little bit more about the shape of the world because you would have got that, you know, you just colored in a little bit more of it because you were there and you talked to people who are from there. And that's, that's powerful. I don't know, Jen, to summarize, what would you say? Can travel change you? Yes. If you let it, yes. If you want it to, yes. If you force it to. Yeah, I would say yes. The answer is just kind of an easy yes. Uh, but yeah, like we've talked about, I do think that you have to definitely open yourself up to it. And again, like if you, if you really just don't want to open yourself up to it, that is also valid. Um, I think that there are definitely times where we just kind of need a break from change. Uh, you know, sometimes we might feel like our lives are, you know, kind of moving up and down a lot. And we just kind of want to go somewhere where things feel a little bit stable. And that's okay to do too. Um, and then, you know, maybe reflecting on that afterward, you do find that there was kind of subtle change. But can travel change you? Yes. Does it change you? Not every time intentionality is key humility is key and i think writing is key right like you said i think that journaling can be a really powerful tool in this case writing stories can be a really powerful tool you know there are so many times where you and i have talked about how we've written stories about some of our travels years later reflecting back on them and discovered specific changes that we hadn't even noticed at the time you know we noticed them years later um, and that's maybe one of the most interesting things about writing and coming back to these stories again and again completely completely agree and um 
if uh, if people want to change our podcast, they can rate it on Spotify and subscribe on their favorite channel. How's that for a segue? Can you change our podcasts? You can. So, well, thank you to everyone who's listened this whole way. I hope it's um. I always think if if I was branching out on my first trips when I was seventeen, riding Greyhound buses across Australia, if I'd listened to this, would it have helped? I think so, a little bit. But you've kind of got to you've got to do those journeys yourself. Always, always excited to hear what people think. I'm always grateful to contrast my experience with yours, Jennifer, because I think we arrived in similar places, but through quite different routes. And thanks for framing this conversation. And thank you to Agnes Callard for writing the article that started it all. I do encourage people to go read it directly. It's on the New Yorker, June 24, 2023. And um, make your own judgment, like some good points are raised. I think a lot of points are that we disagree with for reasons that we've outlined. But the question of how much can you get out of travel and how much can you gain from that experience, but also just how it's almost like how far can you push that concept of travel um not necessarily climbing the tallest mountains or going to the most remote places but how far can you push that within yourself i think it's, a, it's just a fascinating question so thank you jen for for proposing this idea and for for framing this up yeah thanks so much nathan this was a really interesting conversation Thanks for listening, everyone. And don't forget to check out our new travel stories published weekly on intrepidtimes.com. See you next time.